Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanek here with Figure It Out Baseball. We've got a really great Figure It Out Baseball podcast today. Um, we are being joined by Chase Rowe in this one. He is a minor league hitting coach with the Detroit Tigers. Um, I, I think he's he's got a guy with a guy with a ton of ideas. Um, a lot of really good things going on for him now. He's he's just uh, got a great background. I'll get into the background a little bit before we jump into questions with him, so you can get to know Coach Rowe a little bit. He is a Saxonburg, Pennsylvania native. Started his college career at Gulf Coast Community College, where he played for one year. Finished his playing career at Slippery Rock, which is a Division II school in Pennsylvania. Uh, also where my sister went to school, actually. A little bit younger than you, but that's where she went. Uh, his team at Slippery Rock, the 2003 team, won the regional and went to the NCAA Division II College World Series. That year, the team won 43 games, which was a school record. Um, Coach Rowe is a two-time first-team All-Conference player at Slippery Rock. As a senior in 2005, he hit 412, which is good enough for second in the conference. In 2006, the fall of 2006, Coach Rowe was hired to become the head coach at LaRoche College, uh, which is Division III school in Pittsburgh. He was 22 years old when he was hired, which is absolutely amazing to be hired as a head coach at that age. And not only was he hired, he had an unbelievable amount of success there. In 13 seasons as the head coach at LaRoche, he finished with a career record of 400 wins and 210 losses. He was a seven-time conference coach of the year. The team won eight regular season titles under his tutelage. They won seven conference championships. Their 2015 team finished runner-up in the regional tournament. They came back the next year, 2016, and won the regional tournament, advancing to the Division Three World Series. That year in 2016, his team won 43 games. They set a school record that year for wins. That was the sixth straight season that they set the school record for wins. That's that's also it's really an amazing thing to do. Six straight years of of you know, besting your own your own records. In 2015 and 2016, Chase Rowe was named the ABCA Mid East Region Coach of the Year. In his time at LaRoche, he coached five players who moved on to play pro ball, coached six All-Americans. He had 28 All-Region players and 95 All-Conference players. He has spent time as an associate scout with the Marlins and the Rockies. He was hired in December 2019 by the Tigers, and in 2020 he will be the hitting coach for the Norwich Sea Unicorns, which is the, the Class A short season affiliate for the Tigers in Norwich, Connecticut. He is KVEST certified. He is on-base U certified. He is FMS certified. He's taking a baseball anal analytics class right now uh, to get some more certifications. He's also the owner of Respect the Game LLC and the Pittsburgh Spikes, Spikes Baseball Club, which is uh, a travel organization in Pittsburgh, a, a really successful travel organization. Chase Rowe, really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Uh, I'm pumped to get into stuff with you, man, and I like to start with usually something from the bio that kind of stands out to me, um, uh, I, but I would kind of like to start in the obvious place, maybe the obvious place with you. Uh, it, there is anybody that, especially if you're on social media, you're on Twitter, you see that there has been a trend in the last couple of years for a lot of college guys, college coaches to move into pro ball and take pro jobs, and that's something that really wasn't a thing you know, 10 years ago, you know, I talked about that a little bit before uh, we, before we started recording the podcast. It's something that I think is, is a really cool phenomenon, but I'd like to know just how it worked for you exactly. For all the people out there that are listening to this, that, you know, have always, uh, that may be a dream of theirs to work in a professional organization. How did all this come about? Um, you're obviously having a lot of success. 
at La Roche, but it is a Division three school. It's not like you guys are on a, on a national stage. But how did it come about that you ended up getting an opportunity with the Tigers? Yeah, the, the, uh, the as you know, like the the baseball network is is small, and um, you know, for me personally, with three kids and and you know, all three of them under the age of nine, um, you know, we I don't I don't really get out to much conventions and, and do much networking. So the the circle here has always been, you know, a lot of a lot of you know friends of mine are in pro baseball in the area. Uh, we've been fortunate in Western Pennsylvania to have some great, um, you know, major leaguers and, and, and guys that are now coaching. And so those connections kind of led me to some, um, you know, I'm just always trying to learn. So, you know, I'd reached out to some guys in, in some different organizations and more or less just kind of talking baseball um, like we all like to do and, and just kind of figure out where, you know, wherever I could find an edge and, and, and helping players get better. And, and some of those conversations ended up turning into offers and, you know, at the time, my wife and I weren't really prepared for that, um, so we we had turned them down this summer, and, uh, and then the Tigers came back around, and and we got into a situation where I really just didn't want to, you know, regret not giving it a try. It was a dream of mine, like most players, to, to you know be able to play in, in in professional baseball. That didn't happen, um, so to be able to do it in coaching um, was it was you know once in a lifetime opportunity for me. So. My wife's wonderful, and, uh, you know, she, she decided that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have taken the job without her blessing. And, you know, she almost had to kind of talk me into it because, you know, we're in a spot here where I get to do what I love every day at a great place like LaRoche and, um, you know, run the Spikes organization. I do a lot of private hitting, um, you know, with, with players from other colleges and minor league guys. And so I have that experience, and I get to fulfill that void um, with working with elite players uh you know, in the off seasons and in the winter. So, you know, it really wasn't something that I was 100% all in and she talked me into it. So, um, you know, of course, uh, you know, after, after she gives me the blessing, we're, we're going to give it a go here. It's so cool to, to see some guys like yourself move up uh, in this game. Why do you think it has become a trend for college coaches to start being hired? Um, I have I have an I you know my own ideas which I, I may ask you about in a few minutes but what what is it to you you know why has that become a trend why has that become a thing in pro ball whereas as it used to be that you had to have played or maybe maybe had a dad yeah the right last name to have an yep. opportunity you know why is it becoming a thing now where all these college guys who've never played pro ball are getting a chance yeah I mean it, baseball to me is is weird you know all the other professional sports have guys that. Um, you know, that maybe didn't play professional football or professional basketball and, and are, you know, major influencers and, and you know, great legendary coaches in, in those respective sports. And baseball was kind of always the boys club. And uh, and rightfully so, it is the hardest thing to do in sports. And, you know, the majority of those guys, I could never do half the stuff that they could do. And, um, you know, so I, 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 I don't understand why it took this long, but I do think coaching is a profession. Um, I, I do think that it's a skill. I think that, um, you know, the, the, a great coach, no matter what level he's coaching, um, is going to be able to uh, impact players. And I think we're starting to see that trend kind of circle back through in baseball now. And, um, you know, I'm sure it, it's going to take a, a long time for college guys to move up, even though we're seeing some of them are, are, are jumping positions pretty quick. But, yeah, I mean, players can get better and, and coaches can impact players on a daily basis. So, I think if you're a good coach and, and you continue to educate yourself and keep learning and, um, you know, keep an open mind that, you know, you can, you can get in there and, and, and get an impact of professional organization. 
baseball is a sport that is notoriously slow to adapt to thing and um and it seemed like as soon as a couple organizations and i don't know who was the first maybe the astros um but a couple of organizations started to hire some pro guys you started to see that happen and now it was like nobody did it and all of a sudden everybody's doing it and i think it's i think it's a really good thing because there are so many guys that are very very good uh coaching college baseball that deserve to deserve a shot at that level i just i think it's really great i'm glad to see that you're one of the guys that got a shot i appreciate it yeah i'm excited i mean i i believe you know, the, the, the game's the same. It's the same game. Um, you know, the same mistakes that, that I've seen players make at, at you know, the professional level are, are the same mistakes that players make, you know, at the youth levels, at the amateur levels. It's just a bigger scale. It's, a, it's better athletes. It's, you know, physically, um, you know, gifted people. Um, and, and so, you know, from there, baseball is baseball. Um, you know, it presents the same failures and, and, and opportunities for growth that, at any level. So, you know, I think it's a trend that hopefully continues. And, um, you know, I, I do think there is a value to, to, the, to the professional player being a coach, too. I mean, the, the, the hybrid, in, in, to my opinion, is, is probably the future because, you know, there are things that I would never be able to relate with um, you know, a major leaguer that had played 15 years. So there's value on both sides, and I think it's only going to be better for the game to continue to trend in this direction. Do you have any expectation going into this of what it's going to be like to work with these guys? Now, when I was, uh, as a college coach myself, I, of course, thought about coaching pro ball and what that would be like. And one of the thoughts that I had, whether it's accurate or not, I you know, I have no idea, never have been able to test it, but I always thought that maybe the college guys would be easier to, I guess, have an impact on or, or easier to, I guess, make an impression on, whereas the, a pro guy might be less likely to, to want to listen because I think that, you know, anybody that's played the game knows that the more success you have, then the kind of the less likely you are to want to change. College yep. guys come into college baseball, uh, you know, from high school, I think they realize there's a pretty good jump there, but do you think it'll be, how do, you, how do you expect that it'll be with these pro guys that have they've been drafted or signed out of, uh, you know, the Dominican at 16 years old or, or whatever it is, and they and they come to this level? You know, do you how open do you expect these players to be, uh, and what what is sort of your um, uh, your plan going into this when you first start meeting guys and have a chance to work with them? Maybe how slowly or quickly you're going to get into things and, and coaching points with them. Yeah, I, th- I think first and foremost, just as especially as a hitting coach, but really a coach at any, you know, any position or even managing, like the the relationship and, and getting to know the players is probably my my main priority. The first five six months, and you know, whatever my bosses just dictate that they need me to do on a day to day basis, you know, obviously I'm going to hammer that out. But as far as instruction and stuff, I mean, I just really need to get to know these guys and and you know, find out what they need. I mean, I'm at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm not trying to push any of my beliefs or my system on anybody. It's more or less just, you know, get to know the guy and, and kind of get a, a past history of kind of what he's thought about his swing and what he does offensively and, and, and follow, you know, what we're doing with, with the Tigers and what the organizational plans are for that player. And then getting to know the guy and, you know, earning, earning his trust and, and forming a relationship is probably at the forefront for my, um, you know, at the beginning here is just getting another name and the families, you know, just, you know, almost kind of not, not being friends, but, uh, you know, kind of on that level. Why do you think that that's an important part of coaching? I, I read 
some things, some articles uh, that you had done, and I know that that's something that's kind of a similar mindset that you took in college was just you, yep. you've got to get to know the players and you've got to just be more than a hitting coach to them. Why do you think is that – why is that an important part of coaching to you? Why, how does that impact or, or have a direct effect on you know, how much impact your coaching is going to have on the guys? Yeah, I think it's just about being real. Um, you know, that, that's kind of always been my take is just as a coach. Like, I mean, I, I've played. I'm done. I, I don't – um, you know, when we talked earlier, like, I don't even know how many championships we won at LaRoche or players and stats. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here to help players achieve, achieve their dreams. Um, so, you know, getting to know the guy and, and, and getting that interpersonal relationship has probably always been what I've done is, is be able to be real, uh, be able to relate to the player. Um, <clears throat> and then from there, you know, what just technology is great now with, with you know, all the different stuff that's out there, which, you know, I, I'm pretty versed in all of it, you know, to be able to communicate if somebody is doing something, um, you know, that's, that's causing them to fail and they're struggling and they need some help and they come to me. I think I'll, I'll be able to communicate in an effective manner to, um, you know, get, 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 get the point across with, and maybe even let them feel like they figured it out and, and, and use some of those tactics and, um, you know, just just let the player know first and foremost, like this isn't about me and my promotions and my self promotions and any of that stuff. That it's about him and it's his career to, you know, make decisions on what he wants to do to to, to advance. If only we all could have could have played for coaches like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing I read about you, Coach Rowe, is just your your ability to mix data and analytics with just having kind of a real approach and a feel for your guys and, and talking about approach and psychology and, and confidence and kind of mixing all that together in one sort of batch, which is sort of the magic formula for how you coach hitters. Um, how did you, how did you arrive at that? Obviously you got into data, you, you're, you're KVS certified on base, you certified, you have all these other certifications. So you're clearly versed in the data and analytics world. Um, well, let me ask you first, was it, have you found it difficult to incorporate that data into what you're already doing, or has it been sort of liberating for you to now have some numbers to go along with some suspicions, for lack of a better term, that you had earlier? Yeah. Well, you know, for me, like, just my, my personality in general is, like, as soon as I see something come out or, you know, this device or this data, you know, this vest, whatever it is, my first natural instinct just is, is who I am as a person is to say, you know, basically that it's bull crap and, and it's going to prove to me its value. Um, so I'm kind of out there and I'm using it and, and I never want to do anything in my career that, that or pass on anything that would help me make a player better. Um, so when, when bat sensors came out however many years ago, I mean, we were the first to use them. Um, you know, the Rapsodos, the K-Vest, um, anything that's out there, and it's all good. Um, it, it all has its impact on players in some way or another. Um, you know, we've tried it. Um, from hitting Twitter to pitching Twitter to, you know, all the, the showcases, the camps, the, um, you know, the instructional videos. I mean, there's really not too much stuff that's gotten past me over the last 15 years being a coach at 22 years old, I didn't work for anybody. I didn't have a system. Um, I just had to teach myself and I've kind of continued to, to educate myself throughout the last, you know, 14 years. And, and it's really just a hobby of mine to learn all this stuff and read all this stuff. So as far as where data and, and technology is for me and player development, it, it's, it's just a great resource to go to, to, um, like I said earlier, you know, help, help me communicate with the player. 
Um, you know, they're, they're, there's no hiding anymore. There's no more, um, I, I believe the phrase is hand-me-down coaching. It, it is, you know, here, here's what your body's doing. Um, and, and to be able to measure that and communicate that in the, you know, in, in 4D motion, or, you know, in, a, in, in however we need to do it. Um, and for me, it's about dumbing it down to the player um, because he doesn't need to have the same knowledge on this stuff as that I do. But to be able to dumb it down is, is, is huge. Um, and that really makes the lines of communication um, maybe not smoother, but it speeds it up. Um, you know, where, where something might take a long time to gain that player's trust and, you know, who's this guy from Division Three? we're not going to listen to this guy. Well, you know, here's the, here's the, here's the data, here's the, the 4D motion, here's the, you know, the numbers. And, you know, this is kind of where we feel like we can help you out. And, and, you know, so from there, it just makes the communication process faster. And honestly, like, I think the goal of player development is to, to make this stuff transfer. Um, make it transfer faster. Like, let's see this results and this this work in the cage or work on the field. You know, transfer to the game. That is the ultimate goal of player development. And how can we make it happen faster? Um, I think those are the two things because player development does take time. You know, developing a, a a good a good swing or a good pitching mechanics, whatever it may be. You know, changing motor patterns. Like, it takes a lot of time. So if we can get ourselves in a situation to try stuff and use data and analytics to make it happen faster, um, or at least get us to 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 the solution faster. Uh, you know, I'm all for it. Talk about this to a point, and you just mentioned something that that I think is is a point that uh, that we should talk about, and I'd like to ask you about. You get to pro ball this year. You've got a first rounder on your team from Vanderbilt or, or wherever. And, and that guy comes, he's on your team. All of a sudden you're his hitting coach. Is there any thought on your end going into this that guys will, especially coming from big programs, will look at you and say, well, this guy's a division three coach. Like, what am I going to listen to this guy for? Or that, or that they won't quite, they just won't feel comfortable or, or, or feel like it's, um, that, that you don't have the qualifications necessary. Yeah. Uh, how do you how do you compartmentalize that going into this this season about the potential of that being the case with some players? Yeah, I've I've been fortunate. Um, you know, one I've worked with a lot of players from schools like that um, already, so I've already gone through the process of you know you know the introductions and getting to know each other and, and kind of forming that trust and and so i've worked with division one players and, and power five players and spent a lot of time in the cage with you know professional baseball players in the pittsburgh area here um you know so i've worked with all and and and, and been in that setting with a lot of good players over the course of time so i understand what makes them tick um i understand the the you know, the, the trust that they, you know, and the, the trust that they shouldn't have in other people as well as the confidence that they should have in themselves. Um, and that's mostly what gets them there. I don't think we should ever try to break that down. But, you know, it, it, it's all about the relationship to me. If, if we can, you know, if we can get to know each other and, and you know, there, there's really no secrets anymore. I mean, people are, people are talking about hitting crazily now. Um, everybody's got two cents. I think for me, just being someone that's really real and, and not really, um, you know, I have a couple core beliefs, but other than that, like I'm not overly technical. I mean, I just, I think that, that, that easygoing, um, nature as far as swing development and stuff goes, like, I think I'll be able to, to bridge that gap since I've already done it a few times in my career already. And when that guy from Vanderbilt, you know, three weeks into the season when he's hitting a buck 45, 
he's probably going to come to you and, and be pretty open to what you've got to say, which is usually a pretty good way to start that relationship if it hasn't started yet. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice because, you know, the, the, the players that I've coached in the past, um, you know, in the private setting, and, and, you know, these guys are sprinkled in different major league organizations in the minor leagues. They're sprinkled in different colleges all over the place. So, you know, I'll be able to connect the dots somewhere along the line and, and you know, hey, you know this guy, okay. And then, you know, that guy can let the kid know that I, I'm going to be able to help him out. You can trust me. And, you know, so that, that that's, like I said, baseball is a small community, and, and I'm I'm fully prepared for, for any, um, you know, any of those situations. The perception, I'm sure, uh, around, you know, people that aren't maybe – fully invested in the game but that are that are college baseball fans or that are baseball fans in general the perception of i think probably the obvious perception is that the best coaches in the country are at the highest levels just like the best you think the best players yeah. are probably at division one schools and you a lot of people probably assume that the best coaches are at division one schools and it's just not always the case and one of the thing about yeah. uh, one thing about the figured out baseball podcasts i i like to bring on guys from different levels i like to talk to division two II, division three II, junior college nai type guys to, more or less to show people that there are some really, really good minds at other levels. And I, uh, you know, again, I think it's, I think that this trend of college coaches moving on to coaching pro ball is really exemplifying that, uh, that there are a lot of really good, they don't, they don't really seem to care what level you see Juco guys move up. You see division three guys move up into pro ball. You see NAIA guys as well as division one guys. Um, and it just, it seems like there's, it, it's making it more evident that there are really good coaches at every level. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, to this day, no matter where this game takes me, I mean, some of the best coaches that I've seen and, and that are in my circle, people that I talk baseball with and talk player development with, they're, you know, they're Division three guys, and, and some of them have been offered professional jobs and decided to, to stay in the programs that they're in. And, you know, the, the game is full of great teachers, the high school level, the JUCO level, the Division one level, they're everywhere. And, and, you know, I think it's just an important time that, that baseball is kind of taking these steps to, you know, just realize that, that coaching is a profession and, and, you know, it is a skill. And, and, you know, we can, no matter what your, your history is as a player, I mean, you can impact, you can impact the game as a coach. Um, so I, I think it's a great, great, great direction the game's heading. Let's talk about hitting a little bit, Chase, um, which is obviously your specialty and something you were a very good hitter. You've been a great hitting coach through the years. Um, let's just talk hitting a little bit. And, and first, I, I don't want to spend the whole time that we're talking about hitting on data, but I would like yep. to just bring it up a little bit. Um, what to you are – there's there's so much – if you follow hitting Twitter and uh, probably other – on other media as well, it's, it's a thing. But there's so much about um, analytics and data on that you can find on social media. It's kind of overwhelming at times. Yep. And people Absolutely. make a really big deal out of it. To you, what is the point – of gathering this data, what is the point of the of the data that you get uh, from hitters, from from anything, from anything that you use? Why are you gathering data? How is it useful to you? Yeah, I mean, from 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 my perspective, like the old saying goes, like you don't really know something until you can break it down and explain it. Super simple, um, and, and so for me, like that's kind of been the journey is how how do we not need this? And 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 when you see all this information being pumped everywhere and numbers being talking, I mean. I was a baseball player and I don't want to know half of this shit. And, and, you know, it's hard enough to play the game and start throwing numbers at me and, and talking all these crazy things. Like we have to be able to simplify this information to the player. Um, more than anything, it's more of a visual, um, you know, to show them their, their, their heat maps or, 
um, you know, give them some information as to where their body's at at certain points throughout the, the swing or, you know, how their body's moving, um, you know, stuff like that to make it as simple as possible has been my goal. Um, sift through the bat sensor information and find out that, you know, these, these sometimes, you know, I don't want to get in trouble with what I say, but sometimes the algorithms for these things aren't always ideal for every single player. Um, so, you know, to be able to, to be able to use it and, and, and look at it and sort through it and say, you know, something doesn't look right with my eye or something I'm seeing on video or on 4D isn't looking great. Um, you know, maybe we can sift through some of these numbers that we measured and, and, and see if something glaringly sticks out. And, and then, you know, usually there is something that we can go to that, that helps us speed up the process a little bit. Um, but I, I just like to keep it as simple as possible. The, the the game is is miserably hard as you know and, and if we can if we can just keep it as simple as possible with the with the data and and give the player um, just what he needs to know they they don't need to know everything and and so you know kind of kind of keeping that approach is my my biggest thing with it thus far. Great breakdown of of the data and I, there are way too many times when people uh, put too much stock too much faith into the data and think that's the only thing. But really, there's there's a lot more to it, and the data is just a great way to sort well, of supplement what else you're seeing. And which there right. absolutely is, and the problem with, with, in my opinion, that most of uh, the problem with at least hitting Twitter or what's going on on a lot of facilities on the private sector is, you know, people are just using launch angle and exit velocity as their guideline for everything. Um, you know, they're using bat speed as the major you know marker for the the bat sensors and. You know, we're going to get to a point right now where, at least for me, I think the way that the game is trending, I mean, we're seeing guys throwing breaking pitches at any given time. They're either Division One, Two, or Three. It used to be pitch backwards, and, and pitch backwards is now just pitching. Um, you know, guys are throwing a lot more spin. They're throwing their spin for strikes. Um, you know, obviously the speed of the, of, of, of the pitches are going up in baseball everywhere. Um, I do think we're going to get to a point where, you know, we got to figure out as a game, like where, you know, where, you know, it, bat speed, bat speed, bat speed isn't necessarily the best thing. And, and you know, an exit velo in practice um, it, it may not be the best thing to be chasing for a, a better game swing. Um, so I think that as it continues to be a major part of the game, like we got to kind of sift through it as, as I've been doing for the last five years to try to figure out what transfers for the game and what numbers this player should be taking from the practice setting and apply it back in to, to what's going to transfer to the game. Because, you know, for me personally, um, with a lot of guys chasing exit velocity off of the machine or batting practice, um, you know, that, that swing that they can get up to 106, 108 miles an hour, um, you know, exit velocity, that swing's not going to play when they don't know what's coming. And and so, you know, trying to sift through it and make sure that the plan for the player is going to transfer is huge. I, I'm thinking about some things right now as you're talking that, that just that makes so much sense. So if, um, if exit velocity and launch angle aren't maybe the, the statistics that should be dominating, that people should be paying the most attention to, what are some statistics that guys are getting from their bat sensors or from, from anything else they're using? What do you think are a couple of, are there, well, let me ask first, are there a couple of statistics that they should be paying more attention to? And if there are, what are though? What are they? No, I mean, I, it just all depends on the, the player. I mean, I, I think that within that players is, is a huge history of swinging a baseball bat. Um, hitters, 
hit more now than they ever have. I mean, these kids go to practices, they go lessons, they hit with their dad, they hit with their buddies. I mean, hitting is, I mean, this is a hitting obsessed culture that's coming through the game right now, regardless of whatever level. Um, and, and, you know, obviously we're seeing that with, you know, defensive defense and, and, and the lower levels being so terrible. But, um, you know, the, the, they're hitting so much. There's a huge past history that we got to get to know these players and figure out, you know, it's in, it's ingrained in a lot of them. I mean, there's some things that are, are going to be really hard to, to break, some motor patterns that are going to be there um, that are going to be really hard to change because of how many times they've done it and how long they've done it. Um, so we got to kind of identify what makes that player successful, what got him here, uh, and then from there take a look and, and, and run some different, you know, um, measure what he's got going on in different situations and different settings, like not just the practice setting, not just off the pitching machine. Because, you know, I've been, you know, in, in, in the hitting world for a long time, and, and, you know, I've seen a lot of great swings and have helped build some really great swings in the cage. When I go to watch him play in the game, the, the dude's swinging the same way as he did before we were done. And maybe I'm just not that good, um, but I think the majority of people that, that that have been in that setting can 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 agree with me that you know we 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 do do some things that are that are, are with us for a long time, and the way that we do move and swing are with us a certain way. So we have to kind of identify where that player's at with those things and what we think we can make adjustments with and what we can't, um, what makes him good and what, you know, what he struggles with and kind of find that happy medium to figure out what numbers the guy might want to focus on. But, you know, the angles of the game are, are, are a huge factor for me. Um, you know, when we're practicing and we're, we're, we're set up in, in machines and we're throwing batting practice, the angle whether they're, you know, horizontal or vertical, like if we're practicing on things that aren't necessarily correlating back to the game, um, you know, the spin, you know, on Rapsodo or the, you know, the, the, the launch angle that the guy's chasing, the bat path on the sensors, the attack angles, the, you know, the vertical bat angle, like there's so many different things that factor into the, to the guy's you know, individual swing that we got to kind of sift through and, and figure out where we want to take that plan after we see him a few times. So you you've got a kind of a unique perspective because you you have um, an academy where I, I assume that you have kids that are pretty young, probably eight, nine, ten years old, right? Yeah, I mean we've been we've, we've I mean I, I've we my my son's eight. Um, I don't teach him anything, um, but but you know the 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 guys and the, the swings that we've been analyzing for. 12 years, 13 years, anywhere from eight-year-olds the way to, you know, 26, 27-year-old professionals, um, you know, so there's, there's been there's been a lot of them. Okay, so you've coached kids at every level. You've had them come through your facility. You're obviously trying to help all of them to get better, um, yep. and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that, I've said this on the podcast before, there's a lot of things that I see on social media that I just, I think are really bad for the game, and I think are really bad for young hitters as far as what they're paying attention to and the things that are being focused on instead of just uh, well, the things that I really believe in. Without getting into to my perspective, you know, people are here to, to listen to what you have to say. If there are coaches listening to this that are, that are coaching younger players, say 8, 10, 12, even up to you know, 13, 14, 15 yeah. years old, what should those players be focused on in the cage? Are they doing the right thing if they're, if they're at that age and they are focusing on launch angle, and exit velocity, like are those things that, that people should be paying attention to at that level or are there other things in your opinion that are that are more of a better fit for development at that age for a young hitter? 
There is. I mean, at the end of the day, whether they're professional baseball players or they're 12-year-olds, um, you know, they got to square the ball up um, and, and, and solid contact. And that, to me, doesn't matter if it's on the ground or in the air or whatever people are arguing about that. Like, we have to be able to square the ball up and find the barrel. I think the the equipment the kids are using at the younger ages are really taking that away because they could just chip a ball out of the ballpark with some of those bats that they have nowadays. Um, but for my, my advice – um, is always to, to parents. Like, I feel like the, the way that the game has changed so much, it, it was like when we were younger, um, the, the majority of people would always tell us that, you know, well, that guy's a major leaguer. You can't swing like that. Um, and, and that couldn't be further from the truth. I think there's a lot of good baseball players that got ruined because of that tech, that, that thought process. Um, we now can measure how they move, and we now know that everyone can move that way. Now, do they move as fast? Do they react as well? Do they see as well? That's a whole other scenario. Is their hand, God-given hand-eye coordination, um, you know, it, it doesn't mean it's going to be the same, but we can move that way. And I think the game, um, you know, for me, just being a, a lower-level college coach, the, the guys that come through aren't bad hitters. They just have been – they have a ton of man-made problems. They've had too many people tell them they can't swing this way and this way. And then, you know, the game is tailored so differently at each age because of the field sizes that, and the angles, again, of the mound, the height of the mound, the angles of the pitch, the height of the pitcher. So guys can get away with so many things at those younger ages that they can't get away with when they get older. And, and to me, it just boils down to one thing. Like if you have a favorite player, and you can watch video or you can get into a facility where people are able to measure, you know, what's going on with your body. I'm not talking about launching or, 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 or EV or anything like that. I'm talking about, you know, a K-Vest or uh, 4D motion, stuff like that, where you can actually see what your body's doing and how well is it in balance and, and you know, is it in a good spot to produce, you know, some rotational power. Um, you know, and what what's your bat doing? How well are you covering? How long are you staying through the zone? If you're in a situation where you can get that stuff and you can get majored, and and then you can find your favorite major leaguer and, and try to copy. I mean, that's 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 old school, but I mean, that's just what you do. Is is these kids learn a lot through imitation, um, and, and trying to copy what their favorite players do. But to think that you need to do something different and you're going to be able to do something different every level that you move up, and that you're magically just going to all of a sudden start swinging. You know, like a Division One baseball player, when you've been swinging like a 12-year-old your whole life, um, you know, it's just not going to happen. So hopefully this is the trend that we're on is that we start to see more and more better hitters, um, you know, come, come out of the, you know, the high school and college ranks because of all this information that's out there. What in your definition is a good hitter? What's a good high school hitter look like to you? I mean, I, I first of all, let me just, let, let me break it down. <laughs> well, let me ask, let me ask this first. What do you results-wise, like, what do you want? And I'll give you just some examples. Do you want a guy that is trying to pull every ball down the line and, and trying to hit, trying to hit pull side home runs? Do you want a guy that can hit line drives from line to line? Do you want a guy that hits a lot of extra base hits? Do you want to like, what do you want to see out of a? What is a good? Yeah, I just, I just want to see consistent timing. I want to see a nice forward move to balance. Um, I, I want to see just, just guys that can square the ball up in multiple different locations. Like, you know, we, we see this kids hit all the time and, and, and high school players swing and they, they, the swing looks the same no matter what the pitch location. And that's not athletic hitting. That's not getting to a good spot when your front foot lands. That's not having good coverage and, uh, you know, with your bat path. So, you know, for me, those are kind of the things. I think that the game runs into problems when we start to try to make power happen. 
um, you know, whether it's pitching or whether it's hitting, when we start to try to make power happen before the kid is physically old enough through puberty to make power and be strong, um, now we're starting to have off overcompensating moves, which is re resulting from the hitting side of things, like just guys that rotate too much um, and, and spin too much and trying to make, you know, more rotational power happen. Um, and that's not necessarily a good thing once, once you, you know, get into, into the higher levels of the game where guys are throwing spin in any count and, and it's devastating and it looks like a fastball and, uh, you know, it just gets really, really hard. So uh, my thing for my advice for, for, for kids would be to, um, you know, stop chasing the power numbers, focus on, you know, working gap to gap and squaring balls up. And, you know, as you get through puberty and as you get through your strengthening, um, you know, in, in your high school years, um, you know, the power will come. And, and that might be the same for minor leaguers. I mean, once they put the wood in their hands, uh, you know, that, that's a new level of, of, of strength and, and, and being able to square balls up. So it's just a higher level and a different stage. Um, but, you know, that that's usually, you know, stay gap to gap, drive the doubles, and the power will come as you get older and more mature. So when you're saying gap to gap, do you still like to see hitters that are able to take a pitch on the outer third to outer outside, you know, the, the, the outside corner and, and be able to use the at least the opposite gap, if not the opposite line? Or do you care, like, if a guy can pull – a pitch on the outer black and pull a pitch on the inner black and everything he, everything he hits is pull side, but he's barreling everything. Like, does that matter to you? Do you think it's it's a skill that yeah, you'd I mean, like to see to, to be able to use the field? Yeah, to me, it's just it's just way too hard to to be, um, in my opinion, like it's just way too hard to be that technical with it. Um, if the guy can, if, if he is hitting the ball hard, um, and and you know, and a guy can take a pitch on the outer half and put it in the full side gap, or you know whatever the case may be like as long as they're squaring up the ball and and you know to, to to that you know on that same note like if they're squaring up you know if they're able to square up fastballs and they're able to square up spin um they're going to be able to use the whole field um they're going to be athletic they're going to be in a good spot when they when they land in balance and they're going to have a good bat path and 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 be on time so um, you know, those are just going to be a, the, 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 where they hit the ball and, and the pitch location will be a byproduct of that. What about mechanically talking about, again, a good high school hitter and even now going into pro ball, are there some, I know that there are a lot of mechanics uh, throughout the swing that are, are variable and they're going to be a little bit different from player to player. Are there any absolutes? Are there anything that you think any, any certain types of mechanics that you think that this needs to happen for, for a, kid to really a kid of I say kid but a kid of any age to be a good hitter these are some absolutes mechanically that need to be happening um yeah I mean I don't I don't really like to get into absolutes because you know I, I throughout the the years you you've seen guys that have you know outliers that do things maybe not like everybody else but can barrel the ball and, and can hit I mean I wouldn't teach a kid to swing like Albert Pujols um but you know he you know he he can do that and um, you know, I wouldn't teach a kid to like Aaron Judge because, you know, he's 6'8 and, and whatever. So um, I, I don't really like to get into absolutes. I'm a huge, huge guy of balance. Um, you know, one of my mentors and, and really my favorite guy on any social media when it comes to hitting is Doug Lotta. Um, and, and, and Doug is just an absolute legend and, and probably the best, um, you know, private instructor in the country. And, and, you know, for, for, for me, with, with, you know, talking about the, the absolutes, I mean, balance is always one and, and a good move to the ball um, and just trying to keep athletic. Um, I think 
too many guys that are mechanical and, and they put themselves in a spot where they have tension throughout their bodies and, and you know, and, and anytime we have tension, we start to have overcompensating moves and the body's trying to gather in certain spots that it shouldn't gather. So if we can, if we can have good balance and we can make a good move to the ball into balance and we can, um, you know, really just try to stay through the middle of the, of the field is, is really my, my biggest mechanical side of things. I don't really get into too much of that. It's so different than, than so many people out there who believe that a lot of things, if not most things need to happen in a specific, certain specific way for, for people to have success. And, and I just had a podcast well, recently. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's interesting because it, it kind of depends on where I think what you're working with. Um, you know, the, the, the problems that I would have gotten with hitters at La Roche that come into me or guys in high school that come into me, all their problems are man-made, whether it's a dad or high school coach or old travel coach or the 46 lesson people that they took lessons from. I mean, these guys, one, they don't trust anybody anymore because they're still hitting, you know, pull side rollovers and backside flares. And, and, and so from, for me, it's like, there is a lot of technical work that has to be done when somebody has a ton of man-made problems in their swing. So I think that kind of gets lost in the fact that um, depending on what level you're used to coaching at there, you know, the, the, most of the guys that, that maybe have poor mechanics and stuff like most of them don't, um, you know, play as long or play at higher levels. But I've seen, you know, power five hitters that, you know, on, on honestly move, move and, and have the same mechanics. And those guys usually exhaust themselves at some point in, in you know, in, in low A or, or, or in short A because they don't make those moves to being what, you know, the elite hitters do. But I think like getting mechanical as, as we see on, on, on social media and Twitter, like it totally is, is a byproduct of the environment that some of these guys are working in, I think, if that makes sense. Absolutely. If if you had to, and I'll, I'll kind of wrap it up with the last couple of more questions, maybe one or two sure. more. Um, if you had to break it down, you know, all the talk, I shouldn't say all the talk, 90% of the talk on social media about hitting is mechanical and or yep. data related, which is still in a way mechanical, a lot of it. Yep. Um, how much of what you do when you're coaching hitting is mechanical compared to working with guys on their approach, their mindset, their, their confidence, um, you know, whatever it may be, just things that aren't mechanical that anybody that's coached hitters at a higher level knows there's a lot more to it than just having a pretty swing. Um, yep. If you had to break that down as far as how much time you, you spend on those type of things with hitters, at, you know, a guy that's, that's your level of hitting coach, how much time are you spending on each? Just to, give, just to give coaches at other levels an idea of maybe they should be spending more time in this area or that area. It's timing um, at 80%, 90% is, is conversations about timing. And when that player gets started and where that player is at, at the pitcher releases the ball and, and just having conversations about timing, having conversations about how the guy's recognizing pitches, um, how well is he seeing pitches, is he seeing them early, um, you know, then getting into the mental side of things, whether it's approach or, you know, relaxed, um, you know, how much tension does he have? I mean, that, that to me, like, if you can, if you can kind of sort through those types of things with a hitter, the guy, the guy's, the guy's swing is his swing and his mechanics are his mechanics and, um, you know, he's able to get his A swing off a few more times or maybe not even so much worry about the A swing, but he's, he's squaring balls up in his B and C swing. And, and, you know, now you know the guy's on time and he's making a good move to the ball. And, you know, he's putting himself in a spot where he's athletic to, to be able to, uh, 
you know, do, do some damage with the barrel. You've said several times now, um, I'm talking about a move to the ball for people that are listening to this, that are, they're hearing that phrase and aren't quite sure, don't have a great picture in their mind of what that means. What does it mean when you're saying move to the ball? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where it got lost in, in the last 30 years, but like you still have to step. Um, and, and, you know, when I watch elite hitters, like there's a forward move in there uh, to some capacity, um, whether it's, you know, whether it's Rendon or it's, you know, Bellinger, you know, it, the, to which extreme the player's moving is going to be dependent on, you know, how that dude's wired and, and how he gathers himself um, in that move. But there's got to be one. And I think that because not a lot of people in amateur baseball can talk timing, um, and, and, and can work timing and can train timing um, and, and put players in difficult practice situations that involve their focus to be on being on time or, um, you know, train them when they might not be on time. Um, you know, it, it kind of trends towards talking about mechanics. And, and so for me, like the forward move is just a guy getting himself into, into a position when the pitcher breaks his hands um, to, to have a, a, a slight forward move down into the ground um you know i think on hitting twitter you know craig hyatt does probably the best job there is i know everybody loves it he's got a ton of followers but he you know he puts out tons of videos of, of professional hitters and um you know to me like i spent a lot of time on that because you know i i study what the best do um you know because i was taught and told as a player not to um, you know, not try to do what they do, and, and I always wanted to, so now all I do is study them, and, and there is a forward move in there, so that's probably why I, I talk about it, uh, um, you know, a lot. Last question, uh, Chase, and I'll let you go. Uh, sure. Talking about timing and practice, and, and a lot of coaches out there don't know how to work on that. Um, they don't know how to teach it. Is there anything that you can point to for a coach listening to this that maybe is like an easy practice tool or something they should be doing at practice to help their hitters to work yeah. on this and to create it and to get to consistent timing, which is a huge, huge part of hitting, which you've already said. Yeah, I mean, just to, to keep it simple right now, I think just some video from behind the catcher view um, can really, and maybe if you can get it elevated, you know, a little bit higher than, than home plate or, I mean, above the hitter, so you can have the pitcher and you can have the hitter in view and you can start to analyze when this guy moves and, 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 you know, when the pitcher moves and, and, you know, when is his foot getting down and is he getting into balance, um, when his foot lands and, you know, is he starting at the right time? So, you know, just that view alone um, to me can, can answer a lot. Like it's crazy to me that we, we hitting is said to be the hardest thing to do in all of sports, but we do it from some of the craziest, most unathletic tension filled positions um, and, and so for me, like, that's why I try to keep it really simple. And I talk about athleticism and I talk about being, you know, loose and easy and, and, and stuff like that, because like, this is really hard. And, you know, to, to think that you're going to sit in the cage and, and have that a swing that you get off and front toss and BP every time is, you know, it's just absolutely false. It's not going to happen. And you got to be able to square balls up in that B and C swing. And, um, you know, so I think, you know, for a young player or a high school player or, you know, someone, someone a father in, in the youth setting, like, do some video. Everybody videos from the side because we want to look at mechanics. And, and you know, that, that back view, when we're talking about getting in the in the arena to compete, I mean, that back view from behind the catcher can tell you a lot about what your hitter's doing. 
very cool. I know I said that was the last question, but I'm going to ask you one more quick one just because of that response. Uh, Timing-wise, what what is ideal timing that you'd like to see? And, and maybe even a, a follow-up question to that, what is too late? You know, what what are you seeing that – when? what do you want guys to be doing to, to be able to say, yeah, you're on time here, if that's something you can talk about or it's something you yeah. can kind of simplify here, and what is too late for timing? Yeah, I'll just simplify it as much as I can. Um, you know, you, you have to be, you have to move without knowing what the pitch is, if that makes sense. Like you have to be able to move and and have that slight forward move into balance without seeing and knowing the pitch location. Um, so controlling that forward move, um, doing that when the you know when the pitcher is, is coming towards you with the ball and the arm strokes coming towards you with the ball. Being able to have the trust and the confidence and the um, you know to, to 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 move without knowing where the ball is. I mean, we talk about in in my cage, it's moving to the unknown. Uh, I, I think that's something I stole from Doug Lotta, but it's moving to the unknown. You have to move without knowing where the ball is coming from, and a lot of hitters don't want to do that. They want to stay guarded. They want to stay safe. They want to stay back. They want to wait till the ball is released to try to identify where it's going and what it's doing with the spin and then move. And, you know, but the, there's going to be a point that that works. And, and, and then there's going to be a point where all those pitches come out and look in the same way. And, and, and it's going to be really, really hard to get ahead. Um, so, you know, I think for each level, that is determining by the athlete. You know, there are definitely guys who could play nine years in the major leagues and, and, and have a bad move and, um, you know, get away with it with the gift. But I think on the flip side of that, there's a significant amount of them that don't make it out of, you know, low A because of a bad move. So, um, you know, I, I'm just – I'm pretty I'm pretty biased on, on, on timing and vision and, and pitch recognition and, um, and, and line – What's too late for timing? If you see what in a video, like wh- when would you go to a player and say, "Do you see this? Do you see this? This is too late." You're, if I, you're if not. I see a guy, if I see a guy moving, you know, moving, you know, into his forward move um, when the ball's already out of the pitcher's hand or outside of the dirt circle or halfway, um, he's going to get blown up when he when he when he starts to see you know some some real velocity and and you know starts to see you know because he's he's forcing himself to commit super early um, his body first and foremost really isn't in a position to make any type of speed happen um, so he's going to do something to overcompensate it and and you know and he's going to he's going to be blown up awesome Chase this has been great um, I really appreciate. The time, appreciate the, the conversation about hitting. It's something that it's a lot easier for me to talk hitting and a, and a lot more, um, uh, I, I guess, it's, it's easier for me to comprehend everything than it is to have these conversations with pitching guys. So it's been yep. good to change it up a little bit and talk some hitting today. Uh, pretty clearly talking to you, I, I, I love the fact, I love how adaptive you are. I love how real you are with things and, with your, and, and how it seems like you are with your players and just a, a guy that's self-taught, no fluff. And, uh, and and kind of what seems like a player's coach, always open-minded about things, wanting to learn. Like those are some things I just think are such great attributes and obviously a big part of the reason why you are where you are. So Chase Rowe, this is Chase Rowe, everybody. He's a minor league hitting coach on uh, the Tigers organization. This will be his first uh, spring with the Tigers after 13 years as a Division three head coach at LaRoche College in Pittsburgh. Uh, Chase, this, is, this has been great. I really sincerely appreciate you spending some time with us today on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Big fan. Keep doing your thing, man. Thanks very much, and best of luck to you, the team, and I look forward to following you in the future. Thanks again.